0: Through rigorous research, it has become known that the way in which humans experience life, our decisions, and our life situations can affect the genes of our future descendants. DNA has allowed us to realize that humans are connected more than we ever realized. Part of the building blocks of what makes us up as humans is understanding how connected we are, and that what we do now serves a purpose for those down the line. In the same way, one part of the building blocks that makes us up as Christians is beginning to understand how we all get to be connected. And that our actions and our words serve a purpose in advancing the kingdom of God and magnifying his name as one unified body. The DNA of who we are, our building blocks are all connected with one another through each of us living with purpose. Good morning, Church. Good morning. I'm going to try something out with you guys. Um, if I say God is good, you say all the time. All right. And when I say all the time, God is good. All right. So let's try this. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. So when I go over this morning, you guys keep on repeating that in your heads. Okay. Amen. Notice I didn't say if. When I go over this morning, you guys keep repeating that. Over the last couple of weeks, um, Pastor Chip has been discussing this series, Building Blocks, the DNA of who we are. When, When we think about DNA, when we get down to the nitty gritty of what it is, it truly is something incredible, something amazing. And as we all know by this point in time, as an identical twin, I feel as if I have an even greater appreciation for what DNA means to me. As humans, we share 99.9% of the same DNA. As an identical twin, my DNA is 99.99% the same as my brother Jordan's, which makes our DNA virtually indistinguishable. And let me tell you, this comes with a lot of benefits. In fact, there was a time in college, I promise the story will have purpose later on, in college, I was invited to play in a tennis tournament. And a tennis tournament was occurring over a Friday night into a Saturday morning. Well, I just so happened to have to work on that Friday night. But I really, I really wanted to play in this tennis tournament. You guys already know where this is going. So I did the sensible thing. I asked Jordan to cover for me. You see, at my job in Toledo, very few people could tell us apart. He was already familiar, halfway familiar, with the job requirements that, that were needed, and it was a Friday night shift. N- nothing happens on a Friday night shift. So I went to the tennis tournament, and I, I had my phone on me just in case something were to happen, and guess what? Something happened. It ended up being the busiest night of the entire summer, requiring knowledge that Jordan did not have for that particular job. Um, And and to top it all off, my boss, who never never visits the Friday night shift, decided to make a visit um, to Jordan that night. Well, she thought it was me. And she begins talking to Jordan as if he were me. So now Jordan is talking to my boss as if he were me. And then my boss started asking Jordan about his brother, but she thinks she's talking to me, so therefore asking me about Jordan when she's actually talking to Jordan. You guys tracking with that? And so Jordan begins talking about himself in third person to my boss, trying to act like me. Needless to say, Jordan never covered a shift for me again. You know, DNA is a wonderful thing. It's a crazy thing. And it keeps us, it's what defines us as human beings. It's what separates us from the rest of creation. We are God's ultimate creation. And as Christians, we too have a spiritual DNA. We have these building blocks that make us, us. They're what separate us from the rest of the world. As Christians, we share these building blocks. It's what defines us. And understanding this DNA begins with understanding this phrase, What makes you, you, is what God wants to do with you. In fact, I would even take that a little further. It's not only what God wants to do with you, it's what God wants to do for you, in you, and through you. And as Christians, we all have these building blocks. We get a sense of what God wants to do with us, of what our purpose in this life is, from Exodus 6, 6 6-7, what Chip has been sharing with us all all the last couple of weeks. And this is God speaking to Moses, saying, hey, tell this to my people. And he says this, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from the yoke, from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. You know in summary when we read these, three, these, these verses we see four different promises and these four different promises reflect our DNA of who we are, what we are made up of. We can summarize by saying knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose and making a difference. Therefore in knowing our DNA we can know we can know what did Chip say the other week? Reckon. We can reckon these truths for ourselves. We know that we, we are a new creation being born from a God, being born from above because God has delivered us. We are set free from the struggles of sin and hurt and unbelief. And today we talk about what it means for God to redeem his people back to his original purpose for us. You know. With this discovery of DNA, it wasn't just a one-time thing, a one-time event that answered all of the questions that everyone ever had. Rather, it was years and years and years of scientists performing experiments and doing years of research. And what would happen is that those scientists would then pass away and all of their work would soon would, would pass away with them and it would go forgotten for years until later on some other scientists would come up and they would discover this work, which would, re- which would spark a whole new process, a whole new cycle of research and experiments. And in many ways, that's what we as Christians get get to do today. So, So today, we all too, we become scientists as we walk through our own spiritual DNA, and more specifically, the building block of God's redemption in our life, the building block of discovering our purpose. And fortunately for us, we have all the research we have all the experiments. We have all of the results right here. And we can see through this research, through the experiments of not only how God goes about redeeming his people, but why God goes about redeeming his people, redeeming us. And as we go through all of this today, we'll see how all of this research, how everything that's in this book pertains to us today, because we know, we know that God's plan for us has remained the same. So today we become those scientists. We get to jump back into the research and see exactly what God has done in the past and what he's going to do in our lives. In fact, I have a professor at DTS, Dr. James Allman, who in many of his classes can often be heard saying this, What God has done in the past is a model for what he will do in the future. He is just too creative to do the exact same thing twice. And I think this is so incredibly powerful for us today as 21st century Christians. Because we can talk all day about what God had done for the Israelites. But those are just stories, right? Do those mean anything to us today, thousands of years later? I would say yes. As well as Dr. Rallman. For instance, let's look at how God uses Water from the very beginning and throughout the Bible as an example of how he uses what happened in the past as a model for what he does in the future. You know, right from the beginning in Genesis 1, we read about how God, out of the chaos of the water, begins his specific creation here on earth, which ends with the creation of Adam and Eve, ends with the creation of humankind. Thus we see the start of the world coming from the chaos of water. Then we see how God uses water again in the flood. And from the water, he restarts with Noah and his family. Once again, giving earth a new beginning. Again, through water. And then we come to the Israelites. And we see how when he's bringing the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt, the way they begin their new life is through the Red Sea. And as God takes them through the Red Sea through the water, thus begins a new beginning for his people. And then we come to the New Testament. We fast forward a little bit. Where an example done for us is a bit more tangible for us today. And we see Jesus Christ as he emerges from the Jordan River after being baptized. That is the beginning of his ministry here on earth. And so we see God uses water from the very beginning of time, not only for the Israelites, but for Noah and his family, and for Adam and Eve, and Jesus Christ himself. And he marks what was done in the past as, a, as an example and a model for what he will do in the future. And it's the same with us. The means and the results are always the same. But God gets creative with the method on each different go-around. So let's go back to the Israelites. God offers them this promise to not only deliver them, to not only set them free, but to redeem them. To redeem, or, or, or uh, to purchase, or to, to avenge. To restore them back to himself. But here, here's where it gets interesting, because in this promise, in the midst of God fulfilling this promise to the Israelites, he, he explains himself. He explains his reasoning for the way he is going about redeeming them. He explains the purpose behind his method of redemption. So let's go ahead jump to Exodus 14 verse 4 and this is this is what God is saying. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them, but I I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. You see, what many people don't realize, in fact, I didn't even really realize this until within this last year, that God didn't have to take the Israelites to the promised land through the Red Sea. There were other options. And if you read Exodus in the beginning of uh, chapter 13 and 14, we, we know that there were other options that the Israelites were actually prepared for. They were not anticipating the Red Sea. So you can imagine the doubt that's filling them when they get to the Red Sea and they're like, wait a minute, I think we missed a turn back there, Moses. But the fact is, is that God knew what he was doing the entire time. In the midst of God redeeming his people, he was going to be glorified. The Egyptians were the power, the central power of the world, and God would make sure that they... The central power of the world would know who he was and what he does for his people. Let's go ahead and jump to verses 30 and 31. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in his servant and in his Mo- and Moses his servant. You see, the Israelites were a tool to make his name known, to make God's name known. God used the redemption of the Israelites to display his power, his glory, and his provision to the world and to his people. God's purpose for redeeming the Israelites went beyond simply getting them out of slavery. So in knowing that God uses the past as a model for what he will do in the future, we all of a sudden have a piece of that DNA, that building block of redemption that defines our own DNA. The work for our own discovery has been done for us. And we see that God redeems to be represented. So that everyone might recognize him, might recognize his power, might recognize his provision, his glory, his faithfulness, through his representation of his people. God redeems to be represented and be recognized by and for everyone. God redeems to be represented. So let's jump back to the promise we see in Exodus 6. As we continue on discovering our own DNA and the purpose that God would have for us, we see in Exodus six, as I've already read, "And I and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment." You see, here in verse six, we see that God has declared what He will do, and how He will go about doing it. The Israelites have just witnessed some of the most amazing miracles in the history of mankind. What it took for the Israelites to leave and escape and find freedom from Egypt was for God and only God to come and work his power. God told them from the very beginning, I will redeem you. There was no cheat sheet to get out of Egypt. There was no four-step plan to get out of Egypt. God said, I will get you out of Egypt. I will redeem you the Israelites could not redeem themselves back to their original purpose. It took the mighty hand of God to part the waters. But the Israelites, like most of us, are human, therefore not perfect. In fact, the Israelites are far, far from perfect. And in the lives of the Israelites, God is continually redeeming them, taking them from their messes And restoring them back to himself. But there comes a time in their history where they no longer seem to trust God or find God to be enough for their redemption. They start to take things into their own hands. They don't trust the redeeming power of God and instead they want to begin redeeming themselves. They have forgotten about God's work in their lives from the past and they begin to try to discover themselves without looking at the past research and all of the successful experiments that God has already ordained. The Israelites are starting to compare themselves to the rest of the nations, and they're wondering, why aren't we more like them? Instead of recognizing that God's purpose was for them to look like him to the nations, they want to begin looking like the other nations. They want a king, even though God is already their king. Let's jump to 1 Samuel and see God's response to all of this. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. God had taken them and given them safety and security in their own land. He fulfilled his promise time and time and time again. But, even though the Israelites had had his protection, they decided that God clearly did not know what was best for them while they were in their own land. You know, from, I, think, I think we need to think about this for a second. We need to put this into contemporary language. Uh, it, the way I like to think about this is, imagine two extremely loving parents. And these two loving parents, they decide to adopt a child out from an altogether terrible situation. They see this child, and they simply want to love on them, to provide for them, to give them a home, help them lead a life of reaching their fullest potential. So the child, they, they, they get to this new home that the parents have so graciously provided. The parents are so excited to begin a relationship with their child. They are so excited to help them grow and learn and experience life. But then all of a sudden, after everything that's been provided for this new child, the child decides that they know better than their parents. The child decides they know what is best. Because they had been talking to all the other kids on the block. And all those other kids, well, their parents... They don't care what time they go to bed. They don't care what they eat or when they eat. it. And all of a sudden, to this newly adopted child, that life seems a little attractive. So this child, he decides he's going to start doing what he wants. And he decides, I'm going to have an ice cream sandwich, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. He decides that this is what the best decision could possibly be. The parents, doing their best to warn their child about the repercussions, can't seem to stop the child. The parents realize that for the child to learn the error of their ways, it will have to be through experience. So they allow the student to eat all of those ice cream sandwiches, hoping that one day, the child will see what the decisions have done to them. Literally, what they've seen done to them. The parents hope to renew that relationship with the child, to continue to guide them to their fullest life. But... In, no, in seeing this story, we see that this is exactly what the Israelites have done. God knew what was best for his children, but the Israelites exchanged their relationship with their God for, re, for a relationship with someone else, with something else. And we know that in due time, this misguided relationship that the Israelites so desperately wanted for themselves only led to destruction and the disintegration of the Israeli people. You see, God redeems to be represented. That's part of the purpose. He redeems to be represented. But he also redeems to be in relationship. He doesn't want to share his children with any other parents. Only him, only his power, only his purpose. God redeems so that he is the sole father, the sole protector, the sole provider of his people. All else simply misdirects and takes away. God redeems to be in relationship. So we've seen the research. We've seen the results of the experiments. We have seen how God is successful in redemption, but when the Israelites choose to not identify as his redeemed people, to not represent his glory, to not be in relationship with their father, their purpose goes to chaos. But so often we ask ourselves, how does any of this pertain to us? How how does any of this pertain to our daily lives? How does this affect my work week, Monday through Friday? Knowing these stories about the Israelites, that's all well and good, but what does this mean for me today? Well, I think it's important that we recognize that this is very pertinent for us today. Let's go ahead and jump to John 1 in the New Testament. Yet to all who did receive him, Jesus that is, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. And then in Galatians 4, we read this But when the time set had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption sonship. You know, these are but just two promises in the New Testament declaring who we are. Two promises, and there's so many other promises within the New Testament claiming who we are. And if you are here today and you can say that with confidence, you have placed your faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ to cover your sins, then you can have confidence in who you are because you are a child of God. And if you are a child of God, and we know that God uses the past as a model for what he will do in the future, then we can have confidence. We can have confidence that God is redeeming us today. The purpose that God gave the Israelites to represent him and his glory and to maintain a relationship with him is the same purpose that he has given us as 21st century Christians. In fact, This very same purpose goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. As humans, this is our original, fully ordained purpose. To represent God and all of his glory to the world. And to be in relationship with him. The question is though, do we identify with our status of being redeemed children of God? or are we like the Israelites and though we trust God to provide us with a safe and secure eternity we decide that we're going to live for ourselves in the present we we have this notion of we're going to trust God to keep us from hell but God forbid he take control of our lives today have we decided to be like everyone around us by eating the ice cream sandwich for every meal have we decided to select a pseudo-king for ourselves to give us a purpose and identity rather than relying on the redeeming work of our true king to give us our true purpose and our true identity. For many of us, we don't even think about this question. Do we identify with our status of being redeemed children of God? For many of us, rather than asking this question, we, we, we identify with our daily lives and what goes on during the week. But what if I told you... Stick with me here. This is going to get touchy. But what if I told you that our, our, your purpose in this life was never meant to be found in being a mom? What if I told you that your purpose in this life was never meant to be found in being a dad? Or for you to have a job that gave you a sense of significance and meaning? What if I told you that your purpose in this life didn't include living out the American dream? to have a safe and secure job, having the best behaved, having the smartest or most athletic kids? What if I told you your purpose in this life is not to know the most about the Bible or even be the most genuine and kind person in the world? What if I told you that your purpose in this life was not to not get married, to not have a family, to not even have a healthy marriage? The fact of the matter is, because we don't ask ourselves this question, we don't even think about how we have replaced our God with something else. We have taken our temporary statuses and placed them in an eternal spot, on an eternal pedestal. We have allowed our satisfaction and identities to come from what we do or don't do on a daily basis. We have allowed our purpose to come from what we have purposed for ourselves. We are the children eating ice cream sandwiches and skimming out on the five-course meal that God has prepared for us. Because Let's be honest for a second. What happens when all the kids leave the house and your role as a mom or dad begins to dwindle away and grandkids are only about a future thought? What happens when the only job you can find leaves you with very little feeling of significance or impact? What happens when your marriage falls apart and you cannot help but watch your family disintegrate? What happens when you go from one failed relationship to the next and marriage continues to evade your grasp? What happens when loved ones are lost? When jobs are lost? When we don't live as redeemed children of God, all of these self-declared purposes in our lives will eventually fade away or disappoint us. And we will either be forced to try and find another replacement for our identity and purpose, or we will simply find ourselves without identity and without purpose. But here's here's the good part, though. Here's the good part, because we don't have to depend on what we do or who we are on a daily basis to give us purpose and identity. And I think that answer comes from the New Testament. Because all of the research and all of the experience have already been done for us. So let's go ahead and jump to Romans 12, 1. And Paul is saying to his Roman readers, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul here is telling his Roman leaders, look at everything I've written to you from chapters one through 11. Look at everything that God has done for you. And In view of all of this, in view of God's redeeming work in your lives, your purpose has now become to live in a way that would be worshiped to him at every moment in time. Live your life as a living sacrifice to God. It is in this that you will live out your purpose, your primary purpose. It is in this, this true and proper worship that the world will know by your representation, by your relationship, the glory, the power, and the love of the almighty God. You know, much in the same way, the story is coming back now, much in the same way that Jordan was able to work for me, and all my boss saw was me, we as Christians are called to live in a way that when others see us in our daily lives, they see Christ in such a tangible way through our love, our joy, our kindness, our self-control, our goodness, through the power and the glory of God Almighty. Dr. N.T. Wright says this, we are not simply called to be new creation. We are not simply called to be new creation. We are called to cause new creation. This is our purpose. This cause comes from showing God to the world. And so all of a sudden, we realize this. Our daily lives don't give purpose to God's redemption. God's redemption gives purpose to our daily lives. All of a sudden, regardless of the circumstances, our lives have been given the most important purpose ever to be declared in the history of humankind. This is our primary purpose. So whether you are a parent with kids in the house or you are empty nesters, your purpose remains the same. Whether you find significance in your job or not, your purpose remains the same. Whether you are single or married, your purpose remains the same. Whether you have a healthy family or a family that is falling apart, your purpose remains the same. The purpose that God has ordained for us is never fading. It is never futile. It is never failing. It will not disappoint because it is God's purpose for us our lives. You see, just like human DNA, 99.9% of our purpose is shared with everyone else. Your purpose is my purpose, and my purpose is your purpose. It's all of our purpose. But the question is, what about that last 0.1%? Obviously, we are all different. As much as we look different, we all have different strengths and weaknesses. We all have different personalities. We all thrive in different roles. So I believe when it comes to this last point one percent, we can get a snippet in the second verse of Romans chapter twelve. And it says this do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, we are first and foremost called to live out our primary purpose by representing and being in relationship with God. But the thing is, how we do this is unique to all of us. When we live in the 99.9%, we all of a sudden become become sensitive to what God would specifically have for each individual, for each of us. We become renewed. We no longer operate in, in the same way the rest of the world would. And when we allow our minds to be renewed, we are told that we are then able to discern the perfect and the pleasing will of God more and more I would say that this is talking about how we as individuals all uniquely live out the 99.9%. And so all of a sudden, we have discovered that, that last 1%, the percent that distinguishes, the percent that gives us all of our unique roles in the body of Christ and the advancement of the kingdom. And so all of a sudden, we see the last part of this DNA of redemption. God redeems to renew. God redeems to take you out from the rut that is the pattern of this world and lift you to brand new heights. This isn't cliche, people. He wants to do this in your life through the renewing of your mind. God redeems so that, to renew so that your strengths, your passions, and your desires will line up with his will, so that they will be used to the fullest measure, his measure. And so we see the DNA of redemption at its fullest. God redeems to be represented. God redeems to be in relationship. And God redeems to renew. And so we have a part of the answer as to what makes us us. What makes you you. What makes me me. Through the research and the experiments that are already done, we can know who we are. You can know who you are. I can know who I am. We are a representative of God. You are a representative of God. You are in relationship with God. You are renewed by God. God has delivered you. God has set you free, and God is in the work of redeeming you. You have been redeemed, and he is continually redeeming you. You know who you are, and this is the purpose that he has ordained for your life. There are some here today who have been truly living out the 99.9%. And as their lives have continually transitioned from one daily role to the next, their purpose has never died, have never faded, or changed. And now they are in the midst of another transition. Being sensitive to the renewing of their mind, they are seeing how their strengths and passions and desires are changing. And they are watching how God continually makes ways for those strengths to be lifted out. All for his glory. They are not worried about tomorrow and what they would do but they are simply allowing the work of God to move in their lives. We cannot live to our fullest potential on our own. You may be the greatest at what you do, but that is not the greatest that you could be if you are outside of God's redeeming work. God is not a life coach who wants to simply come by your side to help you live your best version of yourself. God wants to be your king, your father, your redeemer, to make you into his best version of yourself. It is only when we let God determine our purpose that all of a sudden, who we are and what we do in our daily lives become the most important they have ever been. You can do nothing greater than what God has created you to do. When we live as redeemed people, when we identify as redeemed people, we then have the freedom to truly live, no longer being tossed by the newest fads of fulfillment. Your fulfillment, your redemption, your purpose, your identity has already been declared. So as we go into this next work week, will you let go of that ice cream sandwich to experiencing the five course meal that God has prepared for you in your life? Will you stop trying to find your purpose in what you do and realize that you have been redeemed by the God of the universe who wants to restore all creation back to himself and he wants to use you to do it. So as we continue into this next work week, let us continue to glorify Him as His redeemed children. Let's stand and sing before we go. You're mine. children of God and God wants to use you and declare his purpose onto your life. Will you go out this week and identify as his redeemed child? Have a great week.